This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Exodus 6, we go. Verse number 6, it's called the core. Today, we are looking at these words, find freedom, find freedom. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage. Poignant that we read this correctly. I will bring you out. Everyone say, I can know God. I will bring you out from the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will rid you out of their bondage. Everyone say, I can find freedom. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Without question, the purpose and plan of God for your life is for you to know him. He already knows you. He knows you. His plan is for you to get to know him. It sounds elementary, but it's important. You can't get to know God in sin. Because darkness and light have no fellowship. Sin and righteousness are not going to the same place. They're not heading in the same direction. The only way you can know God is take him up on his offer that heaven is reaching down, offering, I want to bring you out of Egypt. I want to bring you out of sin. If you'll take him up on his offer, accept his hand of grace, Put faith in that grace and let grace pull you out of sin. You will get to know him. And you will know him in salvation. And salvation is instant. Now I'm going to preach a little bit to you today. And I'm going to pastor you. So get ready to receive this word of the Lord. You will know him in salvation. And your spirit man. Everyone say my spirit. Your spirit man, that which will either in, in, uh, dwell in heaven or will be uh, found lost for eternity in hell. Your spirit man is saved, but your body, this physical body, and your soul, which is your mind, your thoughts and feelings and emotions, it's still, it's still messed up with all kind of issues and problems and challenges. That part of the relationship with God is going to take a little work. Everyone say work. It's going to take a little time. Everybody say time. What's funny is my introduction of this sermon is by far the most important part of the sermon. So please catch this. It's critical that you see this today. I grew up in the type of church environment that we approached it completely opposite. We thought that it took a lot of work and a lot of time to be saved. And we thought that being set free from all of my life's problems would come instantly. That's, the, that, that's how I honestly remember trying to live for God, trying to... Trying to please him, trying to impress him, 
How long can I hold my hands up in the, in the songs? I'm out doing Johnny. I'm out doing Susie. You see me, God? <laughs> We're close. Now, you may laugh. I'm not making this up. I honestly remember as a teenager, like, I'm hurting, but I don't care. My arms are cramping, but I don't care. God's impressed with this. Now, you may say, that's the weirdest thing ever. I know. That's my point. And I remember how long I can pray. The, pre the pastor used to say, you give that hour to God. Three minutes in, I was done. I've got this thing they call ADD. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I remember thinking, God's not impressed with me. I've only prayed three minutes and I've prayed for everybody I know and then some people I've never known before. I'm out of words. I'm out of problems. I'm out of needs. Lord, thank you for the carpet. Bless this carpet. There's a wrinkle in it, Lord. Heal it in Jesus' name. Lord, the lights. Thank you for the lights, Lord. Thank you for the lights. You are the light. You're the light of the world. You are the light, Lord. Thank you for the lights. And I was thinking the whole time, he's not impressed with me. It's opposite. You come to know him in salvation instantly. But all of the stuff that we have to work through, it's going to take some time. And it's going to take some work. Well, give me some Bible for that, preacher, because I think God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. Well, you're right. God can. But we also have some scripture that we can't ignore. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says very openly here in the NLT, work hard. Everyone say work hard. For what? Now, now check this out. It's critical you get it or you'll be messed up. You'll be messed up. You and I will have a thousand cups of coffees and you'll still be messed up if you don't get this. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. It never says work hard for your salvation. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Who's doing the working? Everyone say me. Me. I have to work hard to do what? Show the results of what he's done for me. He does the work for the salvation. I work to show the results of the salvation. Amen. How? Obeying God. Everyone say this filthy, dirty word. Discipline. Discipline. Don't you hate it when the preacher cusses in the pulpit? <laughs> Discipline. No one wants that word in their life. You had me until you said Discipline. You were my favorite preacher too. You said discipline. Discipline. Obey the word of God with deep reverence and fear. Verse 13. For God is working in you. How do we know it? Because we're saved. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Everybody look up real quick. Imagine a line, as they say, a line in the sand. Before 
that line which is called salvation, I'm all alone. I'm trying to shake the drugs by myself. Sure, I go to therapy for it and I go to counseling. I even go to rehab, but it's all on me. I try to fix my marriage all by myself. Yes, we got a counselor, and yes, we, we, we go see some people and share our, our problems, but it's all on me. But at the point of him bringing me out of sin, and I cross the line, now he's in me, working in me to do this. The Bible says, giving me the desire and the power. Desire and power. Desire and power. To do what? To do what pleases him. God wants to give you the desire, the want to, and he wants to give you the power, the ability to show the results of you being saved. All right, I said all that, so let me summarize it this way. Working for salvation was a Jesus job. And Jesus did it well. He perfected it at the cross. It's the finished work of the cross. You don't have to work for your salvation. Because you never would have been able to do it in the first place. But he settled the sin issue once and for all on the cross. He asked you to put your faith in that truth. And once you're saved... Now you get to put your work boots on and show through obedience to the word of God, show through discipline that salvation has actually happened in your life. I know people that I can tell the way they live. I'm not real certain that they're working, they're not working from their salvation. They're not attempting to please God. They say they love the Lord, but their life says differently. They said they believe in the Lord, but their lifestyle speaks differently. You may say, well, Pastor, that's rather judgmental. It, it, it is very judgmental. It's very judgmental. Absolutely. Judging the tree by its fruit. If the tree's not producing the fruit of righteousness, something went awry at some point. It's not on God, for in him there is no weakness. It must be on the individual. The individual thinks they have to work for their salvation and all their stuff that God's just going to snap a divine finger and everything's going to be better. It's not the case. You put your faith in his grace for your salvation and now it's time to go to work in discipline and obedience to the word of God to find your freedom. Salvation, instant. Freedom, process. You're dismissed. But we don't want it this way. We want God to fix all of our problems. We want God to just take his little magic wand and say, oh, you, have, you, you are set free from, from, from that. You, you're, you're set free from that. And the truth of the matter is freedom requires faith and effort. Man, I thought that first service was tough. When God saved you, he gave you a fresh start. But you can't move into your future of new beginnings and fresh starts. You can't move into your future if you're constantly going to be looking back into your past. 
Are you hearing me today? You have to be able, everybody look at me. You have to be able to move from your past into your future. If you choose to stay on this line, on this side of the line, you're going to forever be miserable. To move into your future requires you to slam the door on yesterday and move into your future. Can I get an amen, somebody? Let's talk about something called DNA. The DNA of your parents is what's going to determine what you look like, how you act, even your sense of humor. Uh, your DNA is going to tell me what color hair you're going to have, what color eyes you're going to have. Your DNA gives you a lot of positive characteristics, but your DNA also brings a lot of negative characteristics. And for a long time, a lot of people have believed that because of the negative characteristics that they've inherited, that they will always struggle in that area. Now, for the next few minutes, I need you to stretch yourself and listen and be open-minded and be willing to, 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 to take a chance on the Word of God. You've already taken a chance on culture. You've already taken a chance on pop psychology. Take a chance on what the Word of the Lord says. Now, listen to me. Until something came along called epigenetics, people would make the statement, well, my dad was an alcoholic, so therefore I guess I'm probably got a real good chance of being an alcoholic. My mother was depressed, so probably I'm going to end up fighting depression. That is absolutely proven, scientifically true. If your dad was an alcoholic, you got about a 10, uh, about a 10 times greater chance of being an alcoholic than someone that's born of, of, of a dad that wasn't. That's facts. But epigenetics says, and that has been proven, that your genetics that you've been passed down in your DNA, some of them are not turned on in you. They're not alive. They're not active. They're there, but they are controlled by the choices you make and by the environments that you place yourself in. So if your father is an alcoholic, that does not mean at six months that, that, that you just take a, you know, you take your formula and pour it out and put a little Jack Daniels in it. That, that doesn't make sense. You're not an alcoholic. But you have, you have a genetic in you, a gene in you. You have been passed down a gene that literally does have a tendency to look for the help and the, and the, and, and the assistance in something such as alcohol. It's proven. And it will especially be turned on and activated whenever you spend time in bars, when you spend time drinking. All that's doing is turning that which has been passed down to you naturally. It's being turned on more. But epigenetics says you can make certain choices that are positive. And you can place yourself in positive environments that will always leave that gene deactivated. Everybody say work hard. Discipline. Everyone say discipline. Let me help somebody today. Well, mama's always depressed. Grandmother's always negative. My grandfather, I'm told, was a complainer. I guess it's just meant to be that I'm always going to be a depressed, 
negative complainer because it's in my genes. What you need to remember is that just as you inherited the DNA of your mother and father, when you gave your life to God, you got the genes of your heavenly father. So just as, just as your mother was a, was a complainer, God's put the gene in you to be someone that's positive and life-giving. Just as your, your father was, was maybe an abuser, you have that gene in you to always have a hot temper and to, and to abuse and to maybe be verbally or maybe even physically abusive. It just, it's in you. But your heavenly father has placed the gene in you of peace. Well, it's just natural for me. I'm always negative. But God's gene is always positive. What's well, just, you don't understand, Pastor Tommy. I, mean, I just struggle with this. You don't get it because your dad and mom didn't pass this down to you. But I'm always critical. God's gene is always faith and hope and, and belief. So what am I trying to establish? You have to understand that the bloodline of your mother and father will always be lesser than than the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb that covers your life will always trump what you've inherited from your mother and father. Now again, you might have a tendency to want to lean towards anxiety issues. And and you might have a natural tendency. Everybody say natural. Help me, Jesus. It may be a natural tendency for you to always feel feel, feel anxious and, and, and worried and fearful. Not denying that. But when you've come under the blood of the Lamb, now you have access to not just the natural DNA of mom and dad, but you have been given by heaven the supernatural DNA of your heavenly Father. But it comes right back down to discipline. And there's a lot of you in this room that you, you, you could preach this Ten times better than me because you find yourself having to tap into discipline every single day. The reason you're sober is because of your discipline. And the reason you're positive is because of your discipline. The reason, you know, the reason I'm sober has nothing to do with discipline. I just have no interest in drinking. I have no interest in it. It it wasn't passed down to me. I don't struggle with it. It's not my issue. Get me on the golf course, I snap. Some of you go play golf, and it's fun. It's not fun. It's stressful, and I'm angry thinking about it right now. And you're like, but it's, it's supposed to be enjoyable. It's not, so just shut up about it. <laughs> then what do you do? I have to have discipline. I have to play with people that I know will think less of me if I snap. You invite me to play golf, I profile you. Hot temper, I can't play with you, man. I'm sorry. Why? Because I'll probably stab you with a broken shaft. <laughs> but if I profile you and I can tell that you're cool and calm and, and chilled, it's going to make me want to be like you. And, and I'll just kind of, <laughs> and I'll just put the club gently in the bag and just kind of, it's discipline. That's why drinkers don't need to be hanging out with drinkers. 
But we want God just to fix it. God's not going to fix it. God's going to save you. And God said, I'll give you the desire and the power to get over your issues, but you're going to have to work hard, and it's going to take some time. Well, you know, Daddy was always a cusser. I'm just a cusser. Hey, listen, I know the shirt. I, 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 I know the shirt. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. I get it. I've seen the shirt. I wear it often. I get it. But it doesn't have to be that way. Everyone say this out loud. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't, guys. It doesn't. But I know what culture tells us. Well, you know, you, 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 know, you got that from your mother. Okay, but what did I get from my heavenly father? Well, you don't need to be so hard on yourself. It's, it's in your blood. I knew your grandmother, and she's strong. So what? I know my heavenly father. At some point... We're going to have to get over the elephant in this room, even right now while I'm preaching to you, and you're going to have to suck it up. You're going to have to step up. You're going to have to stop falling on the crutch of your DNA and get a hold of yourself and say, but God tells me I can be free. Honey, I'm so sorry I lost my temper the other night at the table. I shouldn't have broken the plate. I shouldn't have, you know, my dad was like that. She ought to just slap you and say, but you're not your dad. Why'd you slap me when my mom slapped my dad? When he, You're not your mom. <laughs> then who am I? You're you. The son and daughter of the most high God. It doesn't have to be this way. You're dismissed. Because it's not going to get much better than that right there. Some of you need to start breaking that generational curse and starting that generational blessing. I want, matter of fact, I'm just going to get off my notes for a minute. I'm going to kind of hop around here. Hopefully it doesn't bite me in the backside. This service is full of moms and dads. Majority of us in this room right now, we're raising kids. There's a handful of grandparents in this room. But most of us are raising kids. There's a few of you that are, that, that, are, that, are, that are carrying babies right now. You're pregnant with children right now. And then there's others of you that you're single dads and single moms. You listen to me real quick. Listen to me. Just because you witnessed it growing up doesn't mean your kids need to witness it growing up. Dan Finn, the only reason I would say this publicly is because you've spoken about it publicly. That good man right there that I have utmost respect for grew up in the home of abuse, grew up in the home of alcohol. But I can guarantee you right now, his incredible grandchildren born of his son and his grandchildren born of his daughter, and they all go to this church. They don't know that world. You know why? Because he said enough's enough. He looked at his beautiful Jan and he said, you know what, this is what I, I watched, but that's not what I'm going to model. Right. What is modeled before you doesn't always have to be modeled from you. That's true. At some point, 
we have to acknowledge the fact that what we struggle with and our issues that we deal with, it's because somewhere before us, the door was open. Someone opened the door to nicotine. Someone opened the door to drugs. Someone opened the door to pornography. Someone opened the door to abuse. Someone opened the door to lying and cheating and stealing. Someone opened that door. Daddy, mama, uncle, cousin, granddad. Somebody opened the door, but somebody's going to have to be the one to slam it shut. And if all you do is base everything on this culture and everything on what pop psychology teaches you, on what media teaches you, and, and a lot of even what some educators teach you, what you're going to do is say, well, it can never be. It's propped open forever. It's just part of our family heritage. It's not a part of your family heritage because you've now been born again. He says, I'm going to get you out of Egypt. I'm going to get you out of sin. But now you're going to work with me and we're going to get the sin out of you. Because I don't want this to go on another generation. It's time to stop the generational iniquity and sin and start the generational blessing and favor of God. Someone say amen. I told this story in the first service, Dad, and I'll tell it. I'll tell it with you sitting here today. I called my dad the other day. I texted my dad the other day, which is a chore because it takes three days to get a reply. I texted my dad the other day, and I said, I, I, "I'm just curious. I know you. I, I think I have a memory of this. Tell me, your dad was a smoker?" He said, "Absolutely," because I remember as a kid, me hearing my dad tell the story. That his dad died when he was 18. And he tells the story. And I'm going to be a little graphic here. And I don't want to mess any of you up here before lunch or anything. But he tells the story that he has a memory of his dad just being so sick with that old lung cancer. That it was eating the flesh away. That he was just, just dying with this. you know. And I wasn't there. I wasn't even born. But he tells that story. Now you want me to tell you how weak the flesh is? Let me tell you how carnal the flesh is. Want me to tell you how undisciplined we are? He sees that as a son, as a boy of 18. He lays eyes on that and buries his dad and picks up smoking cigarettes. That makes no sense. But sin in the flesh and undisciplined lifestyle, it doesn't make sense. But at some point, the Holy Spirit or discipline, its character, some point, maybe with my mama, some point, something got a hold of him and said, Tanya and Tommy are not going to see me die this way. He doesn't have a memory of not having cigarette smoke in the house as a kid. I don't have a memory of ever smelling it. Someone slammed the door shut. Now, I only use that because... Because that was my family. Yours could be depression. Yours could be sexual sin. Yours could be, a, a, you know, critical, negative, verbally abusive words. Yours could be divorce. Man, you really going to bring that up, Pastor? Absolutely, man. Just because you're the fourth or fifth generation of divorce does not mean you have to fall in line. Well, that's kind of unfair of you, man. You've never known this. I don't have to know this. What I know is that he says, I promise you to get you out of sin. And I promise if you'll work with me, I'll give you the desire and the power to get the sin out of you. Yes. Yes. 
It doesn't matter what you want to bring up. It doesn't matter how dark. It doesn't matter how weird. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. That, that's irrelevant. The world wants you to focus on the issue. I want you to focus on the chain breaker, the one that will set you free, the one that will change everything in your life. If you will know him, you can know freedom. Somebody clap your hands like they're falling off. It's going to take a little work. It's going to take a little time. 1874, a member of the New York Prison Board, if, if Jeff can come help me close here, prison, uh, uh, a member of the New York Prison Board noticed that there were six people. Everybody listen to this real quick. This is fascinating. I'm going to read this to you, okay? Six people from the same family were serving in the same prison. And this prison board member finds it rather, that, that's, that's crazy. So he does a little research. And he traces this family line back to a man that was born in the year 1720. And his name was Max Jukes. Again, this was 1874. And they trace this heritage back to Max Jukes that was born in, in the year 1720. He was a troublemaker, a heavy drinker, and lived with no integrity. He married a woman just like him. And they had six daughters and two sons. They had eight kids. Now listen what this board member studied. He researched 1,200 of Max Jukes' descendants. 1,200 of them. This is what was in the bloodline. You ready? 310 of them were homeless. 180 of them were alcoholics. 161 of them were drug addicts. 150 of them were criminals. Seven of them committed murder. And this blows this guy's mind. So he got interested on, on, on this study. So he studies someone born around the same time. The year was 1703. His name was Jonathan Edwards. He was a theologian. He was the president of Princeton University. So he thinks, I wonder what, what that looks like. He married his wife, Sarah. They stayed married for 31 years until Edwards died. They had 11 kids, not eight, 11 kids. They studied not 1,200 of his descendants, but 1,400. 13 of them were college presidents. 66 were professors. 100 were lawyers. 85 wrote classic stories and books. 32 were state judges. 66 were physicians. 80 of them held public office. Three governors, three U.S. senators, one vice president of the United States of America. What's the point? Mom and dad, it matters what we pass down. Treat mama wrong, your boy's going to treat his wife wrong. Undercut your husband in the presence of your kids, get ready, you're raising one just like you. Dishonor the house of the Lord in front of your babies, get ready. They're never coming to church. Drink away your paycheck on Friday night, get ready. You and your boy, y'all going to share one together when he's of age. What was modeled to you doesn't have to be modeled from you. God's not just in the saving business. He's in the freedom business. 
Yes, he wants to get you to heaven. He's already done the work for it. He's already paid the price. You've been given the ticket for free admission. All you got to do is take it by faith. But he also wants to bring you into a relationship of freedom. Freedom, man. Freedom. Dan Finn, I'm glad that Evan doesn't live in an abusive house. I'm glad Jordan and Rocky doesn't know abuse. But I got news for you. As much as I love that Rodrigo and Janielle and DJ and Amanda, it was because you slammed that door shut. Now, every mom and dad in this room, you look at me. We got some doors to slam. We've got some chains to shake off. And we're not going to do it out of our goodness. We're not going to do it out of our wisdom. We're going to do it when we partner with the Holy Spirit. And He's going to give us the desire. And He's going to give us the power to change the course of our family. Now you listen to me. These are the type of messages that if they're played on podcasts later, they may not make sense to the guy or the lady driving down the street because I'm fixing, I'm fixing to, fixing to just make it real. There's no shock to me that Emily Grace Shepherd's on this front row worshiping like she worships because it's her daddy that gets up here and worships. That's not by accident. She's a good kid, but she ain't that good of a kid on her own. It's because she's seeing something. She's witnessing it. She's witnessing it. And I got news for you. It's not by accident that I'm up here preaching to you. Because I got plenty reasons not to. But Tom and Linda Brandon drug me to church every single Sunday. They kept me on a pew. The Sundays I didn't want to go, they made me go. And I dog cussed them for it. And I didn't understand it. Now I got two of them dog cussing me. They don't understand it. But I'm modeling something. You hear me, Nathan. You hear me, Angela. Keep bringing them. Keep bringing them. John Saldivar, keep bringing them. Keep bringing them, Sam. Incredible boys, Tyra and Isaiah. I love them boys. And they sit with you every single Sunday. And I'm sure there's some Sundays that they sleep halfway through this thing. I don't blame them. I've slept through my own sermons while preaching before. Y'all think I'm clearing my throat and I'm snoring. Just out cold, mouth engaged, brains elsewhere. But you know what? Keep bringing them, Sam. Because something's going to take, sir. Something's going to take. Nathan and Cynthia Buck, you hear me. Keep her, keep her here. There's a reason Nathan Buck's in this church, and there's a reason Cynthia Yost Buck's in this church. You know why? Because Nathan's parents are in church right now today in East Texas where they live, and I hugged your mom and daddy today, Cynthia. Help me, Jesus. Salvation, man. Instant. Freedom. It's work. It's saying no to ball games on weekends. It's saying no to extracurricular activities in the week. Now you're meddling, Pastor. No, I'm not. I'm just trying to get you free. It takes work. And it takes time. Well, that sermon was good, but it didn't fix anything. Sermons will never fix anything. 
You and the Holy Spirit fix things. Sermons just trying to get your rear ending gear to fix it. It's going to take time. Well, I still struggle with that addiction. That's fine. Just tells me you're struggling. You're not giving into it. Keep the struggle up, man. Struggling's good. Stand or we'll be here till five. Holy Spirit, thank you. Never saw these sermons going this way. Felt like I really flopped the first one. Not real sure about this one. But I pray that you'll do something that I can't do. Take my effort today. Because that's all it is. Take my effort. Take my love for these people. Take my limitations of education, my limitations of knowledge and wisdom. Take my limitations of fully understanding all there is about you. I don't know everything, God. Never claimed to have known everything. I just know what your word says about your promise. You say that I can know you in salvation. And you say that I can be free. That I don't have to be a slave to sin. For every father that's in this room and every mother, I'm not trying to leave anyone else out, but the Holy Spirit's just leaning on me hard right now. For every father and mother in this room, whether you're single or married, I ask you to lift your hands and receive this in closing. For everyone that's a guardian, for every grandparent that's raising babies, enough is enough. You'll never change what you're willing to tolerate. You're never going to be set free from something that you're willing to keep around. Identify what it is. Place it under the blood of Jesus at the cross. Settle it. Move on from it. Nip it in the bud today. Enough's enough. Go home. Clean out the house. Get rid of whatever needs to be gotten rid of. Turn off whatever needs to be turned off. Move on. Settle it. In Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. I got crazy love for you. I know messages like this make you wonder. It's like your daddy just slapping you around saying it was more, it's harder for me than you. No, it wasn't. I understand. But you know what? I love you. I want to see you freed up in Jesus. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. If not Sunday, 9 and 11, you're dismissed in the name of